Welcome to the SoCal Hymns Podcast. I am Sarah Richardson, and today we are featuring a conversation with Sri Bharadwaj, talking about the current state of healthcare cybersecurity. Sri is a Director of Information Systems and CISO at the University of California, Irvine Healthcare, UCI Health, and has over 25 years of information management systems experience in multiple industries, including healthcare. Shree has held many leadership positions with provider and payer organization. And prior to his current work at UCI, Shree consulted with Integrated Delivery Network, IDNs, around ACO, HIE, and clinical integration. Shree has expertise in applications development, enterprise-wide IT infrastructure and operations. Shree is well known as a SME in delivering performance improvements in multiple industries during his long tenure with Deloitte in various parts of the Americas, Asia Pacific, and EMEA region. Shri is a CHCIO, FHIMS, CPHIMS, PMP, CISSP, Chartered Global Management Accountant, and Six Sigma Black Belt. Shri is currently member of HIMS National Public Policy Committee and past chair, Privacy and Security Committee, and past president of SoCal HIMS. Good morning, Shri. Thank you for joining us on our program again to talk about an incredibly important topic that seems to morph and change every single day, and that's really the current state of healthcare cybersecurity, everything from threats, breaches, challenges, and and how one can be prepared. So I'll start off with saying, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. It's nice to be back here. There is everything hitting us today. We've got reports coming out from HIMSS. We have things for others, McKenzie program. We've got information coming to us from PwC, from Verizon. We have surveys from HIMSS as well. How do we start to synthesize everything that's coming at us now and make sure that we are both prepared and innovative in this space today? So let's talk about where we've been in the past many years. Um, we've been focused on uh, identifying breaches and stopping breaches. I think uh, the industry, um, some are lagging behind, but some are moving further beyond the breach analysis capability. Uh, I think the industry is now moving towards uh, a understanding of who is really attacking the health industry, healthcare industry, and uh, how and what areas that we need to be worried about. Um, there are couple of options here, and I'm going to walk through um, from a cybersecurity perspective, what is really going on, kind of give you a state of the economy from a healthcare and cybersecurity perspective, as well as uh, give our members an idea about what HIMSS is doing, what various other um, folks are doing in the industry to help uh, build a much more uh, secure uh, cybersecurity posture for the healthcare industry. So, Talking about hospital operations, um, and what are, what is what is the what is the things that are vulnerable in the hospital operation space? Um, people did not were not aware; they were only thinking about the EMRs and the data in the EMR. But it's now we're beginning to see that you know even staff scheduling databases, hospital paging systems, building controls, uh, pneumatic tube transport systems inventory systems, payroll, administration, all of this information that's in hospital operations is also coming in attack. We'll talk about medical devices in a minute, but these are not typical, what we would call honeypots in um, healthcare, in cybersecurity. Um, this is now becoming point of attack. The next area that is kind of being looked at from a um, people when they attack the industry is 
patient and employee PII. Um, patient employee uh, is, a, is, is something that is pretty broad, but it's almost everybody who touches the healthcare industry. And this now just not includes just their information, but also includes patient diagnosis and treatment data, insurance, financial information, research and drug trial data. And then, of course, for employee perspective, you know, payroll, intellectual property, and stuff like that. So when you look at uh, data privacy, you got a bunch of things there. Then you talk about patient health, diagnosis, treatment, and monitoring. These three areas of patients' information is also coming under attack. And we have seen over the period of time how this is kind of really being looked at from the industry perspective and what is the motivator for each of these areas. While we see typically in other industries, the majority of cyber attacks is focused on money as a motivator, in the healthcare industry, not all perpetrators are really attacking providers for money. Healthcare providers, such as hospitals and you know, uh, home health, EMS vendors, are highly visible targets. I mean, when something happens, they are just dwindling with the high impact, which sometimes is a motivator for perpetrators. So it's not about money. It's not about uh, you know trying to gather the data, or it's not even sometimes having hospitals hostage to a ransomware threat. But just the fact that they were able to penetrate that perimeter and hold the hospital systems in a way that they they were able to showcase that they were able to penetrate it. They were able to you know create a threat, manage risk, and put some sort of fear in the hospital system is a motivation for folks. And then of course you know um, I mean I, I I come from UC Irvine Health. Obviously, from a uh, from a UC Irvine perspective, we have uh, a tons of researchers every day looking at clinical trials, drug trials, performing research in patients. And this creates a tremendous amount of intellectual property. Intellectual property is becoming a huge factor in why organizations like UCI, MD Anderson, take it, for example, from a cancer perspective, Mayo Clinic, Intermountain, Geisinger. These are large organizations who do tons of data, tons of research, and that research data, that trial data, is becoming such an important factor for them to do that. Forget the ability for them to get money from this, uh, from this uh, various systems. Then, then what happens is they take this data and perpetrate identity theft, privacy violation, financial fraud. So, from healthcare data, we've now transitioned to money and monetary information. That's where there is a difference between attacking a bank and getting bank data and attacking a hospital and getting non-financial data but get healthcare data and then channel it towards a financial fraud from a very different perspective. So there's a tremendous, there's a big dollar sign attached to it. So it's interesting you talk about that the cyber threats per se that are involved in healthcare are not targeted towards collecting the money from them. It's being able to use that information to uh, gain a profit and in, in the usage of that data. But historically, 
budgets in healthcare IT are quite small. How do you keep in front of the investment it takes to keep all of this information safe when it's typically an underfunded area of the organization? Very important question. And, uh, you know, when I go down and talk about budgets, I have to talk about managing risks. And when I go talk about managing risks, I have to understand what are the typical risks are and how, you know, the attacks happen in the industry. I give you some examples and we will we'll, we'll take you down a path of getting to the budget piece. So, you know, when when we get attacked, you're looking at a, you know, a spear phishing, which is a fraudulent email at the target specific organizations. Like uh, you know, a few weeks ago, um, I think there was an email that a CFO got that's saying that, you know, the CEO said, uh, please wire transfer money immediately because um, we have a provider who is unhappy with what something is going on, which is completely untrue, but that is a, a, a tactic to get information from the system. This is a this is, you know, this man this risk is manifested through very many ways because um, you know, in the past somebody uh, gave them a different email address and uh, they were somehow provided the user ID and password. Now, all of a sudden, you get a different threat that's happening in the, inside the system because somebody has access to an account. Then you talk about, you know, a denial of service attack that, you know, from multiple locations you are launching against a specific healthcare system. Then you got malware, of course, you know, ransomware, key loggers, worms. You know, the, the amount of threats and um, sophistication of threats is going on. And, of course, coming to the data manipulation piece where you're taking digital images uh, you're also even taking, in some respects, data from infusion pumps and using that for dosage calculations and making changes to that that really harms patients. So now we've seen what are the different types of threats that hit the healthcare landscape. And we, as chief information security officers, are always on guard trying to protect, manage all of these threats in some way, shape, or form. While we have been anemic in funding these required tools and technologies to manage these threats, we have been more and more exposed to these while CNN or Fox or any of those news media start pushing through a ransomware hit that's happening in the industry. That's what happened with WannaCry. Once that hit, we had now a, a series of calls with C-suite, helping them understand what's really going on. And their first question is, what can we do to protect ourselves? That is where we go back and tell them, look, this is the investment we need to make in cybersecurity, in healthcare, managing the cybersecurity in healthcare in a way we are managing risk. So we talk about then, it becomes a dialogue. It's not about the fact that, okay, you're asking for X dollars as part of the budget, uh, you're allowed X dollars and that's all you can spend. No, it's not about that. It's talk. It's the, the conversation elevates to how do I manage threats? How do I create a program uh, supporting cybersecurity and helping the organization not just see uh, plugging holes by using tools and technologies, but elevating the conversation to say, how do I develop an enterprise risk management program to manage not just threats from the single source that's happening in the perimeter, but also talking about medical devices, infusion bumps, for example, or 
building facility software that manage the generators and the power plants that's in the hospitals. Nobody ever thinks that attacking the power plant, attacking the generator is probably easier in a hospital because they are running Windows um, version, whatever, in the past, legacy Windows versions that have not been upgraded. And you bring them to their knees, the rest of the hospital systems have problems associated with them because they don't they will not be able to support it if they're off the grid. So when you look at the budgeting and the requirement for cybersecurity and what's really happened over the course of time, we have shifted from uh, a percentage of the CIO's budget to be spent on cybersecurity to let's elevate the conversation, let's look at risk management, how much are we spending on risk management? Because now managing risk becomes part of the day-to-day operations, not just a one-off capital budget exercise. You talk about how in cybersecurity, we've changed the narrative. It is involving facilities. It is involving biomed. It is involving the teammate uh, PII across the board. How do you really influence that narrative in the organization to share the story that cybersecurity is not just an IT initiative? So if you talk in the olden days, you know, we used to have um, data, infrastructure, apps, and people who manage that. We call these assets in some way, shape, or form. We put controls around these assets and how processes. That's been the traditional cybersecurity focus. That has changed. Now we are looking at governance, data governance as a way to manage risk, organizational risk management at the highest level to manage that capability. And a huge portion of this has changed to third-party risk management. When you look at the typical uh, traditional method, we never looked at third parties. When you look at third parties, you're talking about cloud, you're talking about hosted applications. You're talking about networks that are outside the organization that have become core to the organization for physicians to pull information from databases, research databases for their day-to-day diagnosis capabilities. This is a shift. In order to make that shift work, in order to look at the cybersecurity threats that happen with that shift, you're really have to understand what is the risk management, what is the issue. It's no longer an IT problem. And if you look at what McKinsey talks about in detail, they're talking about managing cyber risk in a business context, not from a technology perspective, but really from a business context, which is completely different from what we used to do before. Now, it's another risk that the CEO has to manage. He has to adapt to these changing times because no longer is the data that's in used to be, which is in paper and stacked in HIM department in the basement. It's now data that's everywhere as you walk around and information that's available on your phone that becomes the target and you have to adapt to manage that risk with a comprehensive and collaborative governance between business, IT, and extended third parties who manage that for the hospital systems. And yet, if we turn it to something that's managing it from a from a business risk perspective, and we involve our business owners and our partners in that capacity, 
it takes a while for the education, for the risk, through the threat, through the understanding to sink in. And yet we've got so many new things coming our way. We've got the advent, obviously, of more prolific usage of AI, of having blockchain be uh, an option to use in certain situations. And we've got new regulations coming out. You know, we've got GDPR that's coming and our ability to harmonize data privacy laws that are coming from Europe. Can you tell us how we bring all of these new compliance laws, all these new opportunities, and some of these new really buzzwords in the industry uh, into a framework that can be conversational with those whom we are trying to educate? The biggest aspect I would start is the human element of it, right? Uh, We've seen over the course of many years that uh, threats typically arise from the within. Um, And, uh, you know, uh, more and more Um, of these uh, threats that are happening are happening by attacking somebody from the outside, but actually in the inside. So when people give out their passwords, for example, by mistake, even that information is so important because all you are safe with is that one person out there giving that information. So managing cybersecurity, managing cybersecurity threat is human. Having said that, the world is moving to a much faster pace by delivering technologies like uh, Amazon Alexa, for example, which is a voice control device. You have AI, you have robotics. I mean, the the amount of uh, change that is happening in the healthcare industry is so fast that you know you, you have to start start looking at what's really happening with um, the various. Um, levels of movement of data that's happening between machines and humans. So that that transition is now getting a little bit grayed out because everywhere you go, you got these various capabilities that are happening that pull this together. AI, as an example, is the next gen effect on what we are trying to see in the healthcare space. There are Automated capabilities, take IBM Watson, for example, automated capabilities, self-learning capabilities, all of these are machine learning that's happening in the inside. But imagine if I can infiltrate that machine learning process and punch in through and create a security vulnerability in that area. What AI you use may not be really AI. It could be AI, but in a bad sense. Because now you have vulnerability that's at the end endpoint that you don't know how that is going to impact what a physician is thinking. While technology is great at using all of these things to help move us forward, like you know, the other day um, a friend's daughter was telling me, um, you know, Samsung refrigerator has this way to call Walmart and deliver, you know, milk to the door. Great ideas. But then imagine if somebody was intercepting that fridge and instead of ordering milk, they were ordering, um, you know, instead of ordering two gallons of milk, they ordered 15 gallons of milk and you had no control. You just delivered in front of your door. Fine. It's great. You got to take more time to go and deliver it back to Walmart and get the refund. But imagine what you just done to yourself if that was in medications and the person who got the medication was an old gentleman or an older lady who did not know or were not able to read the medication because it, the, 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 the capsules or tablets that came through were in the same colors. 
there are these are some of the things that we need to start thinking through when you have to start thinking about ability for injection of security vulnerabilities in that AI process. Now, having looked at that, everything is going to be in the cloud. Everything passes through the cloud. It's easy to penetrate that. And then you got now put in controls in place that will help manage that from an AI perspective or from a voice control device perspective or from a IoT perspective. How does this change our ability to have a framework, uh, a DLP program, uh, fortifying our perimeter, having a, a risk assessment, either pre and post implementation? I mean, historically, we did things like we'd log and monitor applications, we would check for physical security, we'd have you know user access reviews and management, et cetera. All of that is still absolutely pertinent. How do you layer in the controls for these new items coming forth? Exactly. That that's so. One of the things is that there is a um, what we used to have is you know you used to have data centers and you have servers sitting in the data center, all within the physical capability of somebody wouldn't just be able to walk in and start making changes and stuff like that into 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 those servers. And you had management capabilities around logging and monitoring of these information. Who is logging in? How are they logging in? You can create those type of um, logging, monitoring kind of alerts that you can get and manage that. You have a big loss of control. You have loss of visibility, meaning you don't even know where the where your instance of servers are running. You don't know what is deployed on them. You know what what subnets, what regions, how are they part of? We don't even know what the, if there is a vulnerability in the system itself because you are now inside somebody else's organization, basically. You also have loss of control, meaning the network is something that you don't own. It, it needs a different level, level set of uh, eyes to take a look at it to make sure you understand it. You added more risk and compliance. Uh, you can do security monitoring, but the security monitoring using uh, the old tools of trying to just get SNMP traps and start logging them into some sort of a Microsoft SCOM database and run some reports is no longer going to be feasible. Because these threats are dynamic, these are these are changing every day in our way to understand it. And by the way, it's happening in AWS Azure, or is it? It's it's happening in another cloud type of capability that you did not know. Of course, then you got talk about you know cloud native delivery, where you know you are deploying security technology at cloud speed. You have to do that. You have to you have to you have to think in a different form. So what we've now looked at, what the industry is looking at is trying to figure out how you deploy a solution at the gateway, right? As you pass through the gateway, your, your cloud architecture um, capability at the gateway is going to protect the data that's going into Box, your Google Drive, your Salesforce, your ServiceNow, your Amazon Web Services, or your Office 365. And you're, you ought to create what we would call a cloud uh, security operations center outside the organization perimeter. So now you're thinking about deploying capabilities outside your organizations to manage threats from the outside because now your controls are in the outside. It's not in the inside. So you use a cloud identity access management capability, cloud incident response investigation capabilities, cloud compliance. Now you're looking at remediation in the cloud. You're now talking about a completely spe different spectrum 
of security capability you need to have, not within the organization, but actually for the assets that are outside the organization. Excellent. Sri, always a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to the SoCal Hymns podcast series. Join us next time for part two in a conversation with Sri Bharadwaj on the current state of healthcare cybersecurity. Special thanks to Esteban Parano, our audio and mixing engineer, for helping us to produce our podcast series.